Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 178. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the acclaimed writer and artist of The Wolf and I, Krista Crawford. Krista. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and get to talk to you today. Oh, the, well, did you read that off a of script, too? That no. <laughs> <laughs> no no i just you know improv i go i i have to talk to kids for a living every day and so you never know what they're gonna say to you so you have to have something like ready to go Boom. otherwise they look at you like are you real <laughs> <laughs> you just become one of the grown-ups to them who just like doesn't know how to respond but if you have a response ready to go for no matter what they say to you like right. they're like you're you're kind of cool you're kind of <laughs> cool yeah <laughs> so this is your this is your fifth this is your fifth kickstarter fourth, fourth. kickstarter okay mm-hmm. all right and, fifth, and this is your... if you count like i helped a friend run a kickstarter but fourth okay. of my own Okay, all right. And each one of your Kickstarters has been The Wolf and I. So you had Magic Rising, Tides of uh, uh, Tides of Truth. Um, Magic Rising was the second one. Magic Rising was the second one, yeah. So right, okay. Wolf and I was like self-titled issue one. I had no idea. I, I right. was hoping that it would eventually become like each ch- chapter or each issue, which I've self-titled, um, would have its own. But, you know, starting at the beginning, I just big and bold Wolf and I to see if the dream even had a fighting chance. Right. Okay. And they did. And then this is your, this is your fourth one and you've already yes. um, excited. You've already hit your goal already. Um, yes, and so exciting. Yeah. So, 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 so talk to us a bit about, talk to us a bit about the Wolf and I. I'm really excited to to and you know I've I I've done my research. I listened to other interviews. I I know all about <laughs> Wolf and I how how it's been created. But for the sake of the the viewers out there and also the the podcast listeners that will that'll hear this later, give people a little bit of background on on the Wolf and I. Yeah, so Wolf and I is a fantasy adventure comic. It's aimed for preteens, teens, and young adults, and it follows the lives of two main um, our, our two main characters, Sophia and Violet, who grew up thinking they were normal girls, told fairy tales as little kids, and are now branching out, going to college, living their life when strange occurrences start happening, and they're faced with this choice of like accepting that reality may not be all that they're they're told it is, and that the fairy tales they were told as children may be more reality than story. And so they go on this epic adventure where they have to decide who's the bad guy, who's the good guy. Um, and a discovery of, you know, discovery of themselves, who they are, these magical powers that start manifesting in them. And they create this friendship with unlikely creatures. One is a uh, half cat, half owl shapeshifter who helps them escape to the land of Crayweth. We call it a meowl. <laughs> so they they escape to the land of Crayweth where they're forced with this destiny that they were prophesized to help save the land from the wolf shapeshifters from taking over. But issue four really delves into um, Violet's past as she learns that the leader of the 
wolf shapeshifters is actually her father um, and that her mother had been kidnapped when she was little. And so she had um, taken her to the human world to protect her. And so now she's got this moral dilemma of who am I? I'm half the bad guy, half the good guy. Like, where does the story go from here? So it takes a really exciting turn in issue four. Yeah. So it's very, I, I'm, I'm, I'm following it up and I see that, you know, issue one came out in early 2020, issue two mm-hmm. came out in late 2020. Um, and then you had, then you worked on the, the ne- this next issue, issue mm-hmm. three came out in early 2022 and no, late 20, late it delivered. Yeah, yeah, delivered in 20. I was afraid we finished it like right before the holidays. And I was really afraid of it getting lost in the mail with everybody else shipping things in the mail. And I wanted stuff to arrive in pristine condition because whether right. they're buying this for their teenagers themselves or as a collectible item, the last thing I wanted is for it to either get lost or get damaged in the mail. And so I made a decision to ship it later um, after the holidays so that everything could um, arrive on time and and not get lost and not get damaged. So, you know, giving the synopsis of the storyline, uh, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about uh, you as the comic creator. I am amazed that you have a full-time job, you're a parent, and you were still able, within the span of two <laughs> years, put out four issues so far. Um, yeah. It, it, Advice. Give us advice on how you do this. <laughs> black, black tea for the win. <laughs> um, I will say, you know, writing and art is my anti-stress. Um, mm. I, you know, Wolf and I was created originally. I wrote the story to be a novel, like to be a prose novel. And right. I, I started writing Wolf and I 10, 15 years ago. Um, probably closer to 15 at this point. And I wanted it to be a published book, but I got 75% of the way through the book and I was constantly like changing things. You know, my worst critic, I was like, well, what about this? And what if I change this? And would people like this more? Would this make sense? So then I'd go back and I'd scrap a chapter and add a chapter and then I'd have to make other tweaks. And I just never got it to a point where I'm like, all right, let's like publish it or send it to, you know, an editor to get published. And so finally, you know, 2020 was coming upon us um, and it was my big year. I had worked nine years. I had been getting my doctorate and I was like, let's, you know, hit 2020 with a big bang. Little did I know that COVID was going to happen. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to put out my first comic. And if I, you know, I've been doing art shows as an artist doing variant covers for other comics, doing a lot of indie art and a lot of cross like uh, popular fan art in the comic-con world to help pay my way through you know my schooling Hmm. um and so i was like why don't i turn wolf and i into a comic i do the art the story's already written i just need to like figure out how to combine the two together and so that's kind of where wolf and i was born and introduced in the beginning of 2020 and it's all been uphill since then It, it really fueled me that you know, putting out issue one, people really liked it. So it gave me that energy to put out issue two. People still liked it. It grew. So then we worked on issue three. Um, and so I've got a lot of the story. So now it's just putting that artwork together. Um, I have brought on a flatter, which has sped things up. But basically, like I go see patients during the day. I come home, spend time with my kids. And then you have your mom or dad time. It's like after the kids go to bed and then you get to work on what you want to work on. And so I split that 50 33, 33, 33 between baking, reading, and drawing. <laughs> it depends on what the mood is. 
No, do you? I'm, I'm curious. Looking at your artwork, is this all digital, or is it something you do kind of like pe uh, pen on paper and then scanned in? How does this work for you? So issue one was a lot of pencil scanned in and then digital drawn on top. So I did digital inking, digital coloring. Issues okay. two, three, and four just for ease of like traveling and working during lunch breaks and you know working like at hockey games when we're you know cheering for the you know while my daughter's playing hockey. Um, the next issues have really transitioned more into a digital format which okay. at times i miss a lot of that like pencil to the paper like original sketching but it does ease for traveling purposes not to carry like my entire tackle box of drawing equipment <laughs> right <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm curious as well it says you mentioned that you you have some of the doing doing the flats for you mm -hmm. is there anything as you're looking at as you want to make sure because yeah, you know, I did my research. You want to do at least 20 mm -hmm. issues. So yeah. uh, <laughs> you did. Is, there, <laughs> is there something else that you're looking at that you'd like to farm out later, like lettering or, or anything else? Or, you know, I, I don't know, because the style that I work in is very like ADHD chaotic. Right. Um, and so for me, it was even hard to like let go of the flatting. Um, I eventually got to a point where I brought in somebody to do the flatting who was a close friend that was kind of a, you know, I wanted to support him. He's an artist full time. He has kids. So I wanted a way to like give him to his art, right. um, but also like help me not go crazy because flatting drives me literally insane. And <laughs> he can get something done in like 20 minutes that would take me like four hours and I'd be pulling my hair out. But like the rest of the process just is so magical to me. Like I love drawing it inking it getting the flats back from him and like making it like how it is in my head like applying that to the paper and then getting to position the lettering and the wording exactly how i want um i don't know i it would be weird to like let go of that right right now i'm curious as well from the from the world building perspective because you said you wrote this book you wrote it as a novel you wrote it as a prose <laughs> which kind of made it easier for you. You didn't have to then put it in a comic book <laughs> script and send it out yeah. to an artist. Yeah. Uh, so you're saving money there, which is good when you're being the writer and Especially the Especially when you're paying off your you know, student loans one comic at a time. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so when you originally wrote the story, Yes. were you based off of a kind of hero's journey atmosphere where you kind of had a character in mind or did you – create a world first and then made a character inside the world that you created? So a little bit of 50-50. So I had this character, these two characters. It's always been two characters. Like I've mm. got my one that's a little more pseudo main, but you know, the story's always really concentrated on them. And then like a chapter would be from one perspective, a chapter from the other perspective, a chapter with them together when they were having, you know, together. And so, like, it started on her journey, but once they got to the land of Crayweth, all of a sudden their story kind of just paused in my head, and this whole land kind of erupted. It reminds, like, in my head, I remember thinking about, you know, those books that you used to open, and as you're opening them, they start popping and popping, and, like, the castle, like, pops open when you, like, get it fully open, but it's, like, slowly opening at one time. That's kind of how in my head when I was like, okay, they're going to go to this magical world. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, the potentials. And I was like, okay, so this, <laughs> they could go through this portal and land here. 
but then like this is this magical creature and there's got to be a river and there's got to be a mountain and there's these caves and then you know there's going to be these creatures that live here and mermaids that are here but they can like transport through the streams and the sand's going to be like you know purple and the water's going to be amethyst and i was like and then you know what about this and what if we have a tribe of these people and so it really just kind of in like evolved while the story was just kind of sitting there as the characters are like sitting at the main entrance like wait what do we do now <laughs> and so i have a lot of like side stories like scribbled down on scrap paper like stacked next to me in my office that are like okay i could do like a a mini series or a short story or a poem right um, no, because you've created such a rich world is there any possibility that you will you maybe farm out saying, here's an idea, mm -hmm. look for someone to write a plot mm -hmm. for you. And then, or are you holding all of this, holding this world still close to you because uh, it, either it hasn't fully evolved yet, or you just don't want to, um, you, you're not looking at having somebody else tell those stories for you. You know, I wouldn't be opposed if somebody wanted to do, you know, branch out to other stories. I've had a lot of people reach out and be like, oh, my gosh, I love like this character. Are you going to write more about her? Like, I want to know her backstory. I want to know what happens like later. Or like, where do the mermaids come from? How do you know this one's in charge? Like, you know, and I was like, oh, there's not enough to tell like in one like comic. Like, that's like a whole nother whole nother series. Um, I also have a friend who has a fairy comic book herself. And a lot, um, and while the story is completely different and the land's completely different, um, you know, there's a lot of like elements, you know, in fantasy elements that cross over. So they've approached me like, hey, how would you feel about doing like a mini crossover series? Because your person can transport, she can transport between worlds through these magical portals. And they're like, what if your character came to ours? Or what if our, you know, your character, um, you know, ours came to yours, like stumbled through this portal? Could we do a mini series? And I was like, that might kind of be a neat idea. And so the potential is definitely out there, but with having at least 20 issues under my belt to think about, like, <laughs> it's hard to be like, okay, if I put this on the back burner for six to 12 months and focused on this, you know, how much further is it going to push out finishing Wolf and I? And, you know, I know people are excited to keep reading the next issues. Right. I mean, yeah. And you see, you have a pretty active Etsy page. You have a pretty active, uh, Twitch stream and so where what, what what advice would you give to other comic creators because before you were doing a lot of fan art so and that's mm -hmm. how you first kind of built up your audience uh, a bit uh, and what advice would you give to comic creators to kind of make that switch and how do you get into other forms of social media other than the standard Twitter yeah. Twitter you Instagram know. stuff I will say like every social media has its different benefit. Um, you will find a lot of people on Instagram who like your art, but they'll like look at it, like it, and they'll scroll. They won't actually engage with it. Mm. Um, and you'll, I feel like Twitter's very like big supportive on like Kickstarters and indie comics and kind of that stuff. But I don't, you know, so there's a niche with everything. Right. Um, and I, before Wolf and I was created, I really worked on building up my social media presence, building up my platform. And so I had a lot of people who, you know, were there for the fan art, but I built up people who were there to support me as an artist. And I think that's the big thing, you know, mm. building up your supporters who support your art, your ideas, 
and show them that you love your character. It's really hard to have somebody, you know, who's loved Pikachu their whole life or, you know, iconic, like big fan characters, Sailor Moon, you know, Disney princesses and to get them to fall in love with something new. Um, And nobody's going to fall in love with a character that the creator is not head over heels for, who can't say what they love about the character, what they hate about the character. You want somebody to be able to associate with your character, to feel for them. Um, I'm a big reader. I read like 30 to 70 books a year, depending on like if it's a 300 to an 800 page book or if it's, you know, digital audio. Um, And there are books that I I know the first 10 pages that I read, if I'm gonna be staying up till two in the morning, drinking my black tea to finish this book, (laughs) Um, or there's books that I'll read and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna love this book. And you know, I'm I'm not a big quitter. So there's very few books I haven't finished reading, but there's been quite a few books where I've read the whole thing and I'm like, this took me like a week to read that it should have only taken me three hours to read. And I absolutely hated every minute of it. And I did not feel for the character. I like couldn't get into it. I couldn't see like why the author loved this story. And so, right. you know, and that's the other thing. There's a comic for everybody. There's a creator for everybody. Just because you love your character and your story doesn't mean everybody else will, but it doesn't mean nobody will. Mm. And so it's finding your people and finding the people that have like um, cross interests. Right. So that's a good example. So, cause you're, you're, you know, your, your, your comic is, it's a, it's a as you say, it's a, it's a, it's a teen comic. It's a, a, a PG or is it PG 13? What would it's you call PG-13. it? PG 13. Okay. I, I call it like a, you know, a teen slash young adult. It's very young adult themed. It's very mm. like they're college students there. You know, there is some violence. There's some teeth and slashes and blood, like, you know, when the wolves and the other creatures like are fighting right. each other. So it's not like a, let's go to grandma's. This is like old school grim fairy tales. <laughs> there, there's, there's some ugliness and some happiness and some, you know, real life decisions you have to put yourself in. So it's not an all ages book, um, but it would be one that, you know, somebody that who's a teen, you know, 13 and up would enjoy. And it's somebody, you know, women in their twenties, thirties, forties, men in their twenties, thirties, forties, you know, if you like fantasy, you like adventure, it's got a little bit of everything in it. So, I'm really curious as a, as an artist that mm-hmm. did you, as you're telling your story and the story went off in a direction uh, towards the direction of having to draw a character, did you have to teach yourself either like how to draw, you know, a fish or how to draw a, a, <laughs> a you know, an animal that you had to practice first before you put on paper that you, oh, yes. you, you didn't? Okay. <laughs> For sure. Um, Going from prose and fan art to doing comics was a huge, huge like challenge because I was used to doing like pinup style, like variant covers or very like classic pose fan art. Um, And I was used to drawing like certain like, you know, females is mostly what I drew. But then as I was progressing through and like, you know, I had male characters in my story and I had these animals and trees and buildings and it wasn't just all like, you, you can't just put a pinup on every page and call it a comic. It was, you know, dynamic right. poses and different facial expressions. So there were many, many hours of like, and still 
a lot with issue one and two, and then things got more fluid as I was drawing the same characters over and over. Um, the art style really kind of pulled together. But it, um, yeah, every time I introduced a new character or a new creature and it was a lot of looking at like real life creatures and looking at reference drawings of magical creatures mm. to really get an idea for how they looked, how they moved, how they flowed so that the panels would flow well together. Right. Now, and as you're building the, the you know, the world itself, uh, how did you kind of create, you know, like uh like the magic system in here is it is it more is it structured did you have to put in rules as you're writing this or is it more you know based off of you know the will of the character how did how did, how were you able to balance that from the narration perspective so it's it's a little chaotic it's like neutral chaotic neutral chaos <laughs> um so the two characters have di very different powers um the one character sophia who can speak to she's a spirit mage and so she can control like the wind element and speak to spirits and kind of use like a telekinesis spirit power um and so she you see a lot of these like wispy swirly like you know little wind funnels as she's starting to use her powers hmm. and then violet who's the half a half wolf at the beginning she has just a lot of this like uncontrolled kinetic energy you know in one of the scenes like she puts her hands up to like protect herself because the wolf is about to jump on her and her, her like just natural like buildup of adrenaline causes her power to kind of push out and push the wolf away from her. Um, so you can see. And then as they're learning to use their powers in issue three and issue four, you can see them kind of struggling to understand, you know, feeling inside themselves and seeing like what their powers do. Um, and in issue four, it really delves more into her wolf side of like, what powers did she get from the fae and what powers did she get from the wolf? And as a fae, she has a lot of, you know, the elemental and the healing um, and just this like built up internal energy, like using the force around her. Mm. And, and now I think you were saying in a previous interview about like the mm -hmm. story was about 75% done. Is this, mm -hmm. do you have an idea now? Do you have it all outlined up to the end now? For the, oh, for the comic. Yeah. So yeah. I have pretty much up to 20 issues. And so like, there's like a finality point for book one. So it, the story itself is completed. Um, so, you know, if we went or if, you know, something happened, like there is a story that can be finished. I also have an unknowable amount of side stories that have stacked up <laughs> on napkins and, you know, back of receipts. And right. <laughs> it's quite, it's a quite comical and this will probably be a lifelong project. That's for sure. No, do you, so, cause one of the aspects of it is just from the marketing piece of it and, and, and you love, I know it's like it, like the uh, the swag part of, of <laughs> the thing. Now, what? I'm, and I'm really curious about this. What parts that you have in your Kickstarter? Um, and we can look at that now. What parts mm -hmm. of the Kickstarter? Because you have enamel pins, you got mm -hmm. stickers. How much of this is you as a fan of the story? You said, <laughs> "I just want this," and I hope other people want it One, too. One hundred percent of it. Is it? <laughs> I was like, 
I love enamel pins. I'm always collecting them. In fact, I was just sitting here looking at some of them that I have. Um, there's a comic I just got in the mail a couple months ago that I supported an indie comic, and they had a Lost at Sea enamel pin. Oh, I don't know if my camera will focus. There we go. And so this was really fun. So I've got that one. Um, I've got some other ones. They're not up here. They're in my pin collection. But I just, it's like the, the Disney kid in me. I was like, I want indie like enamel pins. And eventually one day I want to make a, like a leather Leatherman jacket and just have like the whole back be indie comic pins. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's your, I, cause I know, cause every, every Kickstarter you've come out with, you've had, you've had an enamel pin, correct? I have. So that this one, I kind of had two on because I wanted to have diversity in the mermaids since there's like, 20 mermaids three of them show up in issue one you see a couple others in issue four um mm. and so i did two color choices this time but the wolf was you know for issue one the meow was for issue two the moon symbol which you start to see it's like a foreshadowing symbol so if you've read the previous issues you kind of see it occurring in right. like different places um until like the final reveal comes up about it and then the mermaids were a big character that were introduced last issue in issue three and they play a big role in issue four you know helping guide this troop of friends to the capital of crayweth and right. so you know on their journey you know the mermaids are helping them they help battle for them they help fight you know the wolves against them and so that's why a lot of my covers were mermaids because they played such an iconic role in issue three um, and then continue to play such a role in issue four. So I'm, I'm also curious. So if you had uh, those that we always, you know, we have uh, creators that listen and, and, and fans of the genres listen. And what advice would you give to a comic creator who says, hey, Krista, this is great. This is amazing. I'm thinking about doing a Kickstarter. I've been holding on to this big book. I'm not sure if I'm going to, when I'm going to do it. What's your advice to them on add-ons? For instance Ooh, so this has been something you know and and every time i've learned something new it's a constant learning experience i'm even learning with this one and it's kind of right. fluctuated too with the economy and what people are looking for what people can afford um there are a lot of people who like add-ons for you know collecting previous issues so that's a big one of this one it's issue four so I have a lot of people that are like i've never heard of wolf and i I want to jump in, but I want to know what happened in the previous issues. So I have a mm. digital and a physical copy of issues one through three that people can pick up at a discounted price as an add-on. Right. Um, I Then there's people that are like, I've been a long-term fan of Wolf and I, or I'm a new fan of Wolf and I, and I want to represent. So I have like a t-shirt, I have a pen. But what I would say to people who, you know, if you're a comic creator, the biggest thing is think about you know, don't have so many add-ons because it's a little overwhelming to like mm. pick your option and then all of a sudden you're faced with like 100 add-ons and people are like scrolling <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, I don't know. I just want this comic, but you know, I might want an add-on, but like there's so many choices. So that was one comment that I got back is they're just, you know, not to have too many add-ons because sometimes you just get like walking down artist alley you just kind of get blinders on because there's just so much and right. sometimes you might miss out on something that you really want um, make sure that your add-ons um, you have a shipping plan for your add-ons 
Mm. One of the things I did last Kickstarter, which was really cool and people loved them. I had great feedback on them. And I personally, this was one that I like made for myself. Um, and I was like, I don't know if anybody's even going to want this, but <laughs> I made wolf and I whiskey glasses. Um, my husband oh, awesome. Big, like whiskey connoisseurs. And I was like, right. you know, I've been wanting to buy a new set of whiskey glasses. Why don't I learn how to etch on glass and so I handmade like a dozen Wolf and I whiskey glasses. And I said, if they don't sell, then I have a cool party cup for when people come over to my house. Um, and if they sell, like people have this cool, unique like item that, you know, I made once and probably won't make again because they were, it was a lot of work, but right. just so unique. But the problem is like I made them and I got so excited and people are ready to buy them. And then I was like, oh, how do I ship this with their comic like i could ship it myself because it came in like a little box and i could put another little box but then i was right. like well how do i ship this thing and a comic but not worry about the comic getting dented from having this other box in a box but not having it in a box that could get crushed and the whole glass breaks because there are these little i don't have one on me right now but like glenn karen cups they're like bigger than a shot glass but smaller than a water glass and they're fragile they're like thin you know because they're made for uh, okay. whiskeys in and they're like bell curve shape so they're not even like that thick water oh, glass. right okay yeah 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 so that was kind of a challenge so just have a plan and make right. sure that when you're shipping it it's going to ship securely and get there like in good condition right yeah or just don't yeah. breakable items <laughs> <laughs> so what what is something that you are able to that you learned in your first few Kickstarters that you wished now that you're doing that you wished you knew before? Um, be a little bit more prepared before I launch. Uh, the, the first one I was like, yeah, I've got this comic idea and I draw art and I'm going to just like put this book out and it's going to be great. And I'm going to launch it. Um, you know, and I've got this comic book that I've created and then, but I didn't like schedule interviews i didn't post on social media about it i didn't have an email list like mm. i just was like started a kickstarter and then i posted on instagram i was like look i have a kickstarter and i'm really surprised it even funded in the first place thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness for family and friends and it did much better than i thought it was going to and i mean i did have a little bit of social media presence so like that did help but right. since then i've really like started an email list i've ran the like pre-sign up for the launch notification a month or two before the kickstarter even goes live and so you know having that under my belt having you know interviews scheduled so i can not only talk and like tell people like this is my story this is why i love it you know this is why i think you should support wolf and i um, but also just to reach other people outside of my bubble and outside of my friends' bubbles. Cause I feel like you live in a bubble and then you have your friends who like are like here and here with their bubble, but there's hundreds of people that will never right. see your posts ever, um, unless you branch out and continue branching out. And even, you know, even with the following I have, I mean, you've seen it, I, I I have a big social media following, you know, but I'll post and of my 8,000 Facebook people, 50 people will see my post and like five will like it, 10 will like it. Um, you know, followers on Twitter, I'll get like five people to like something of 2,000 people. And that's really frustrating as a creator to know you have people following and who want to see your posts, but who don't get to see them because of the algorithms. Right. Right. I'm really excited also, as we mentioned, to talk about your, your, your pledge levels. So you do have on here 
as an add-on, you do have an add-on or do you have a pledge level where people can have a catch-up tier? So both. I okay. have a digital and I have a physical like one through four, but I also have it as an add-on because I offered seven variant covers this time. One of the wow. things I really like, I know it got a little overboard. So my plan <laughs> was to have three, possibly four max. Um, Cause last time I think I had five or six and that felt like a ton. And so I was like, all right, I've got like my three covers. And then one other person reached out and said, Hey, you know, I still owe you a cover. So here's your cover I did for you. And I was like, oh, okay. So now I have four. Um, and then all of a sudden I had three different individuals reach out to me who were like, hey, I know you reached out like a year and a half, almost two years ago for me to do a cover for your comic book. I'm now available. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, seven it is. <laughs> Which, you know, in hindsight 2020, I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, there's like a lot to choose from. And maybe it would have been wiser to split them up between one or two issues. And I did, in fact, save two people who reached out to me because it was going to be nine. And I was like, look, like I, I just this is a lot. Um, and so it it's it's twofold. I like right. it. I love to see my characters through other people's eyes. I love to see that unique artwork. You know, I'm a big comic collector. I like variant covers. I like having something unique to put on my wall. Um, and eventually we'll have every cover of Wolf and I that has ever been created, like up in a, you know, in, in my future office, instead of closing behind me, we'll have a mirage of uh, Wolf and I covers. Right. But I think, um, um, I wanted an option to do like a one through three catch up tier for somebody who wanted to read the story, but who also wanted to pick up like a specific variant cover. So they wanted Steph Wilson's variant cover because they love Steph Wilson and they like his art and they wanted his art for their like wall once they finished reading it. Um, mm. But they wanted to read the story too, or they liked, you know, Ryan Kincaid but they want to read the story. And so that's why I had both options. They come out right. to the same price, um, but it, you know, kind of gives some flexibility depending on what people wanted to do. Right. So you have, you know, you're looking at your, you got your digital one for $6. Mm -hmm. You got your standard one for $10. Mm -hmm. You have a $12 one where it's a blank sketch cover. And that's basically, as you said, that's for artists, right? Uh, yeah. And it's on a really nice, I went with a higher quality sketch cover paper, which is why it's a little bit more expensive. Because um, okay. one of the biggest things I've heard from a lot of artists is like the sketch cover stock is so thin, it bleeds through the minute oh, you like okay. touch markers to it. And so um, I experimented with a lot of different covers. And this is the one that I finally came like, great reviews, people like it, multiple mediums can be worked on it. Um, and so it's good for a variety, no matter how thick or deep you want your colors to be. And then, then we get into then your other pledge levels is the, the $20. That's you have your, your list of your $20. Yep. Pick. My variants, yep. your, your variant your pick covers. Up cover for variants. So I have standard like non shiny covers and then for 30, they can get the metallic foil version um, okay. of the covers. And so let me see here. I've got two. Um, so the metallic foils, these are, I 
take it out so you can see it better. It's shiny in the bag. So this is like the metallic foil. Th this one's oh. on a specialty foil. So this one's like a lava. The other ones are going to be on silver just because they're so much more detailed. Okay. Um, and this one is just on like the silver rainbow. This one is actually a gemmed edition. So there's real Skorsky crystals that have um, been put onto the covers. I know it's kind of hard to see in the camera. Um, and it is authenticized. So you get a certificate of authenticity. And so that is one of the tiers that's available. Wow. Now, mm -hmm. this is the first time I've, I've actually interviewed somebody that actually has gems on their cover. Like, <laughs> where did that it's, idea come from? Did you get that? It's magical. It's magical. I wanted it to sparkle. <laughs> actually, no, I will say I, I borrowed the idea from a friend of mine who does uh, comic covers with crystals on them. Really? And so we have a jeweler we know that actually like deals in crystals. And so she hand tacks them onto the cover. She's got her own shop. She's got a certificate that you get that comes with authenticity. So it's pretty neat. It's nothing you can get graded, but it definitely is a cool wall piece to have like right. a metallic cover with like gems on it. Right. That's Have you seen people uh, show up at uh, at shows with uh, your your comics like Preston, like a CGC thing? I've had a couple and I actually am getting in two weeks. Um, I, well, I submitted some last September that are still waiting to be graded, which is kind <laughs> of like, uh, really yeah. like daunting. I'm like, they finally got accepted. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll get them in four months then. Um, but I, I did something really unique at Phoenix comic-con. I did a Phoenix comic-con exclusive because all but one artist who's ever done a variant cover for me, was going to be at Phoenix. And so I okay. had them all sign. I did a limited of 10 run and I had them sign two of the 10 had everybody sign it. I sent them both to be graded. So they just got accepted and I should get them in two weeks, which I'm super excited about. So I'm keeping one um, and then I'm debating it to sell or auction and give away the other one. So we'll figure out. <laughs> wow. All right. And, and so, you know, talk to us a bit about the mermaid trove. What's the mermaid trove? You know, I, I grew up with Peter Pan and Little Mermaid and just mermaids galore, you know, right. reading about them. And so the mermaids appear in issue three once they trans, you know, once the girls get to the land of Crayweth and they're faced with the wolves who kind of sneak up and start fighting them. And of course, the girls are untrained. Their powers are very new. They're trying to use them. Um, right. And so these mermaids get called by the um, Anastasia, who's the meow shapeshifter. And they mm -hmm. come and basically help fight the girls off. And then they basically escort them to the land of uh, the capital of Crayweth. And so a lot of my covers feature mermaids and we launched in May to really kind of push the whole mermaid theme just to make it, make it fun. Right. If you're going to make it magical, throw meows, throw mermaids, throw mages in there and make it magic. Right. Right. And so that, and so there you go through the mermaid trove, you actually have all the metallic covers. Is that correct? So I do. Oh, so the mermaid trove is going to be all of the covers that have mermaids on them and they're all going to be in metallic. And then you're also going to get both mermaid pins um, with that in, in the mail. And okay. so this is like for size, this is how big, so the, they're pretty decent size pins. They're about one and three quarters inch tall. Um, right. The mermaids themselves, oh, it's like way too shiny here. 
have glitter in their tails and then so does the meowl the moon's all metal and then the wolf is all matte but they're all okay. hard metal enamel pins wow okay um uh, and and so then talk to it and so that's that's for 135 dollars. that's mm -hmm. not bad so you kind of get the pins for free with that one <laughs> Exactly. That's actually a better deal. So, but then let's get into the, the dragon horde, all the shinies for $220. Yeah. yeah. So this is for my, my collectors. I have a, I have, a, you know, one or two um, people who followed Wolf and I, who they just want it all. And so right. this is my like gift to them so that instead of like picking everything individually, they can just have every single cover on metallic um, and then they get like one or two covers for free, kind of all bundled together. That's true. But the, and exactly. So this is looking at it this way. This is actually a really good deal because you're only it's it's one shipping cost. So it's it is right. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. You already have a you have a backer for that, too. Um, yeah. and, and then you have the ultimate collector's <laughs> package. So I went a little crazy here. I wanted to like <laughs> offer something like. You know, if you want to, if you're a big fan of Wolf and I, or you're just a collector of comics and you want to have something that not everybody else has, it's got all the, all the covers, all the backstory. It's got all the pins. I don't even remember what I put all in here, stickers and bookmarks and <laughs> prints and <laughs> cups. And, you know, I wanted to make it fun. It's one of those, like, if no one backs it, it's not a big deal. But if they back it, like, they'll probably get more than what's on the list there. Wow. I mean, that is, that's amazing. And and you have the estimated delivery of, of August, 2022. So. Yes. So time's a tick and that's for sure. So August is to early September is my goal. Um, I, unfortunately with issue one, this was something I learned is it gets really hot here during the summer, like close mm -hmm. to 117, 120 degrees in Arizona. And I shipped my first book and, you know, in the some of them got shipped in the summer and i had about five or six come back where they had actually melted the plastic bags and boards that protected the oh, comic geez. had right. melted because they had put them in their comic books or they put their comic books inside of the bags and boards and you know it's 120 outside and if the sun's beating directly on these big metal ma mailboxes it gets like right. 160 200 Jeez, degrees please. inside those right and so the plastic just, and so oh, I really like did not want to ship in the middle of summer again and have that happen. Cause I mean, I ate the cost. I shipped them brand new comics. I waited a couple of weeks to let it cool down. Um, and so depending on what the weather is, it'll either be late August, early September. Right. Okay. That's not bad. So this is, you know, really exciting. Um, congratulations on, on hitting your goal. I think that's, that, that's amazing. Um, and it's exciting to see that you have some new backers because they've backed some of the, the so it shows that every time you're doing this, you're getting new readership coming in. Yes. It's been really so. exciting because I've had like new people that have joined, people that have seen me on shows, you know, yeah. uh, and then I've got like my, my people that have been with me just since issue one that are like, I'm ready. When's issue? I've had a few people be like, okay, I backed issue four. When's issue five coming? I'm like, you don't even have issue four yet. <laughs> 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 and so that's, you know, just, it's really exciting. It makes me super happy. And whether we beat what issue three made or not, it just makes me excited that we 
have funded, that another issue is coming to life in the Wolf and I series. And this is the very first time we've actually gotten Project We Love on Kickstarter. So yeah. over the moon happiness when I got that email. Right. Yeah, that is that. And yeah, they, that's, I did notice that too. So congratulations on that as well. So Thank you. Right. Well, thank you so much, Krista, for coming on. And listen, we, we got to talk again when issue five comes out. So I sign me up. I'll be All here. Right. It's been a great yeah. time talking. Um, parting. Do you want to hear the Wolf and I uh, blockbuster pitch? Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right. This is my like forever, no matter if you pick up issue one or 20, if if you want to get in, if this was my, you know, coming out spring blockbuster hit, like this would be the scene, you know, the scene would be dark. There'd be trees, the mist would be rolling in, and you'll see somebody staring up the moon on the wolf howling in the background. In a land slowly overtaken by darkness, eyes peer into every nightmare. Tread carefully, take heed, and beware, for creatures crawl throughout the night. Secrets of history shall come to light. Internal powers before unknown, Choices are made, worlds are shown. Two heroines are faced with a choice to band with friends and unite their voice. Against this evil, they must stand, for the fate of Crayweth lays in their hands. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah, see, I got chills. See, listen to that. See, wow. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Krista. And uh, like I said, congratulations again. And I look forward to chatting with you again. Right, Krista, I am gonna run, I'm gonna do our intro and then we'll jump right into it. Awesome. All right, here we go. All right, and all right, yeah, Krista Crawford, you can't mess that up. You can't mess it up. It's got oh. a nice chime to it. Okay, good. All right, yeah. All right, just check, just checking to be sure. So you'd be like, oh no, the T is silent or something like that. Yeah, like, that's oh, that's like the K is silent, the T is silent. Instead of Crawford, you know, this the C makes the S sound, so it's Crawford. <laughs> That's right. I thought so. I thought so. That's why I want to check to make sure.